This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. So I was at the airport shuttle the other day, you know, the Econo parking. If you ever go to the airport and you park and you get on a shuttle and they take you right to the terminal. And then when you get back, you get back on the shuttle to get to your car. And there was an incredible collision that happened. And this wasn't the collision you might imagine when we're talking about vehicles with two cars collide. The collision was this. There was a guy trying to get off the shuttle and you could tell he was in a hurry uh, uh, because obviously he had ended his trip. And so there is a great uh, bit of, of expediency that you want to get off that shuttle and into your car when the trip ends. At the same time, someone else was real excited to get on their trip and they didn't realize that the, the unwritten rule is this. You let the, the first group off and then you get on. And so there was this collision as a family was excited to get on. And this guy uh, looked like a business traveler. He's ready to get off. And so this guy just basically uh, just made uh, a spectacle of himself, a negative spectacle. I was trying uh, some slang word came in my mind, but I decided not to go that route. Uh, you know, this is God's house. But uh, he showed something uh, that was not appropriate in his attitude. And he just in this full shuttle of people just in a cranky way yelled, hey, I'd like to get off this bus sometime. Uh, and, and of course the lady and her children were very embarrassed and, and it was just, it was just a, an odd experience, an odd collision. And then she came on and one of us said, we want to get rid of that guy anyway. Uh, and so here he was, uh, a, a man who was obviously filled with some impatience, uh, some anger, maybe some anxiety to get to his next place. He was filled with a lot of different types of emotions. I don't know exactly what they were because I'm not him, but we could all imagine what those are. And those are all things we deal with because I've uh, certainly if I thought hard about it, uh, hard enough about it, I was that same guy. You know, I've been impatient. I've been angry. I've been rude when I shouldn't have. So I'm not saying I'm above that either. Uh, But we have these natural human emotions that causes us uh, to respond in an unchristlike manner. And the scripture wants to give us an alternative to that. And that's why today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter five. I'm coming right off vacation. So I gave Pastor David some wrong information uh, when I uh, informed him through an email to tell you to go to Ephesians three. But we're actually in Ephesians five. And now I went with my smartphone to version, and I could not find our you version today. Has anyone else found it today? Okay. Well, I just text the guy who's supposed to put it in there and I uh, said, don't see it. So I brought my phone with me. So if he, if he uh, texts back and we'll find out why that's not in there uh, and you know, mistakes do happen, but we, we have the screen. We'll be able to participate together. So Ephesians chapter five is this starting with verse 21 or verse 18 encourages us in this scripture and do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, today I want to talk uh, about being filled with the spirit. We talked about that last week and we looked at it from a very technical standpoint and we journeyed through all the Acts scriptures where uh, people receive the Holy Spirit. And I'd love for you to listen to that sermon. And so I'm going to post that in the next 48 hours. I didn't post it this week again because I was on vacation and that falls under my duties. Uh, so I'll do that. So you'll, you'll want to listen to last week's. And last week was uh, a more of a theological um, 
presentation. And, and this week, we obviously are starting with the scripture, but I want to talk about the very practical aspects because there's some very practical aspects about being filled with the spirit. Now, let's talk about my friend. Uh, well, he wasn't my friend, but uh, the man I encountered on the shuttle. Uh, he had a choice there. His choice was to respond the way we naturally would. I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. Uh, I'm impatient. And if you think about that, all of those descriptions are the opposite of what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Because when the Holy Spirit fills your life, you begin to manifest the fruits of the Holy Spirit that are found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And those are just great descriptions. I don't think they're just a, um, a limited description. I, I, I believe that, that those lists of the fruits of the Spirit uh, are expansive. It's the good things that come from the Spirit of God. And so here's the, the, the scripture saying here in verse 18. It says this. I'm going to offer you an alternative. Don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. And, and that is an important thing. Don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but are instead be filled with the spirit. Now, the word debauchery, and that, that's a word that I have never used before uh, in common day language. It's just one of those good Bible words, you know, uh, and it's one of those words that just sound good. And, and some of the some of the modern translation I'm using the ESV. That's kind of what I'm preaching out of right now. Uh, the, the modern translations will expand that. But sometimes you just need a word that just sounds really bad. And that sounds really bad, doesn't it? Debauchery. I mean, you've had a weekend of debauchery. And that just sounds bad. Not a weekend of just saying, hey, you were bad this weekend. You had debauchery. So th this word is basically meaning this. It's meaning to indulge yourself in sensualities. Indulge yourself in sensualities. And so it has a strong association with sexual immorality. And, and when we get drunk... Of course, I don't get drunk because I don't drink. But uh, when people get drunk, there is a strong association with sexual sin. There is. And so what do we do? We say, oh, I don't know. Again, those who drink say, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just drunk. So anything I did last night, I mean, that, did, that wasn't really me. Uh, in, anything I did, uh, that wasn't really me because I wasn't myself. I was drunk. Well, so... That, that is just a lame excuse. It really is. Um, even if you do something, all, all, all that does is reveal who you are on the inside. It really is. Uh, if you lose control of your faculties, uh, then uh, and, and you, you begin to, to act in ways that are immoral. It, it's not you, it, you can't make the excuse. Well, I was drunk. All that means is it reveals the sinner that you really are. And, and so there's an alternative. This says here, don't be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery or to sensuality. And I think that we could apply this broadly to a lot of things. Like, don't be a jerk at the airport shuttle. Okay? Uh, don't be impatient. Uh, don't, we can apply this to a lot of different contexts. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, God has an alternative for you. Because a lot of us don't like the way we really are. A lot of us don't like our personalities. In fact, if you're like me, there's certain times you say something or respond a certain way or have an attitude or do something. And you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And I don't really like that part of me. I don't like the part of me that is rude. I don't like the part of me who speaks too quickly. 
I don't like the part of me that's harsh. I don't like the part of me that keeps responding that way. Well, instead, there is an alternative, and that's what, being filled with the Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to operate through you. The Holy Spirit begins to talk through you. The Holy Spirit, as He manifests in you, begins to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meaning this, that not one of you should have love, one of you have joy because of your personality and because you're a gift. No, when the Spirit resides in you, you begin to manifest those fruits and you become more like Jesus. So I want to share with you four words today that will help us look at the Scripture. And the first, the first word that I want to share with you will help us understand the Scripture more clearly is the word worship. Worship. Because... When we worship God, when we worship him truly as he wants us to, we have to be filled with the spirit. There is renewed worship and thanksgiving for those who are filled with the spirit. There's something powerful that happens in your worship. You see, what we provide for you is not just good music because you can find good music. You can find flawless music on something called iTunes. Uh, iTunes is flawless because uh, those who uh, present their music on iTunes go to a studio and they work hours and weeks and sometimes months to produce something flawless and something incredible. The music we present to you, we want it to be excellent and to honor God, but there has to be more than just talent. The, when we gather, we sing a very important message and the spirit, the Holy Spirit Upon our music makes a difference. There is a difference between just talented music and music that's insp- that, that the Holy Spirit has inspired or the Holy Spirit has put its approval on. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it just begins to change something. And I want you to notice something here uh, in the scripture. Let's go to verse 19. It says, addressing one another. And then I be says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs. So the first aspect of this is not just the singing part. It's the speaking part. And I just want to be perfectly clear about this. One of the indicators of how much you are filled with God's spirit is what fills your mouth. That is a huge indicator. And I'm just not, I'm not talking about just, uh, just limiting this to a handful of words that we have deemed wrong, which I think we, we do well not to cuss. That's a, that we do well not to use four-letter words, obviously. But I've known some people who you'd never hear them say a four-letter word, but they sure are hateful and negative, and they sure are demeaning. They might be religious enough not to use a four-letter word, but they're not spiritual enough to use an encouraging word. When you're filled with the Spirit, it begins to change your language. And th- when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, talking about God just becomes natural. Not talking Christianese, you know, where you learn some phrases and you repeat some certain phrases that make you sound spiritual. But when you're filled with the Spirit, you just have an ease about talking with God, about God. Not talking about church, necessarily, but talking about Him. Sometimes when we, we uh, do evangelism training and it's very scientific, like, you know, I'm going to have this encounter with, with somebody on, uh, in a public sphere. Uh, I know we don't use public transportation much in middle Tennessee, but I was on a train this week in Dallas and you're, 
and, and I'm on planes frequently and you're strapped. Let's, let's use the plane here. You're strapped in this metal tube 20,000 feet in the air and you're stuck next to somebody. And now we think that's that's the only time we could share Christ with one, with someone. And so we use that opportunity in a very awkward kind of scientific way. Hey, how are you today? Great. If this plane were to go down, would you go to heaven or hell? And we appease our conscience, like, whew. But it feels unnatural. Can I just say this? And, and I'm not overly criticizing that as if to say we should not do that. Don't, don't hear that. But I'm saying this is when we're filled with the Spirit, talking about God just is natural. I mean, it just flows out of who we are. It, it, it's not one of those things where we're talking about the weather and we're talking about uh, Peyton Manning and the Titans and we're talking about spring break. And then all of a sudden God comes up and it gets really strange. We're just filled with the spirit and we begin to speak to one another. Here, this scripture says in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody in our heart. But I, I think what the scripture is trying to say is when we're filled with the spirit, it changes our language. We're just natural about God. We can just talk about God. I mean, he just is real to us. And so then now it talks about a melody. It says, and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the father in the name of of the Lord Jesus. I'll talk to you a little bit about music. I just want to say this. Is there's no such thing as Christian music. All there is is Christian lyrics. Alright, so Christian lyrics changes things. And I want to just challenge you. I want to challenge you to not let the melody of a song so grab your attention that you disregard the lyrics. Because I think we do that a lot. Now, I just want to say, for those of you who are parents, this is coming from someone who was a youth pastor for many years. Don't just let your kids listen to music without your understanding of what they're listening to. Because what happens is this, is we catch the melody and we catch the beat. And that draws us in. And many, many people... Uh, will say, and I've been there before, that the, the, the tune catches them before the lyrics. And so we have this emotional attachment to the song without even realizing what the lyrics say. And all of a sudden, the lyrics become part of our hearts. I, I just want to warn you about that. That music is a powerful force in our lives. I don't think we need to be legalistic and... and uh, and completely say this genre is good and this genre is bad. Because like I said, it's, it's not um, how the world categorizes it. It's about what the actual lyrics say. And, and I'm not here now. This, this is where I'll, I'll begin to, you know, I don't want to criticize what you listen to. All I want to say is that every single one of you are exposed to some music that has some lyrics that you don't need to let be part of your heart. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. And parents, parent on that. Lead on that. Figure out how that works in your home. Because those who are filled with the Spirit know songs about God. It just becomes a natural flow from that. I have a friend of mine who readily admits that he is not musical. And I agree with him because I've heard his analysis of, of, of music before. But uh, he's someone that is, is non-musical. 
But just recently in the last two weeks, he told me, he said, when I started listening to worship music on my way to work, it changed. It changed my spiritual walk with the Lord. It did. Now, now I think all music has an artistic quality. I'm inspired by all types of music, but there's a certain type of music that I listen to that connects me with God. And it's all about the lyrics. It's all about the lyrics, songs that magnify and exalt God and lift him up. And that's my basis. That's how I typically start my day. I start my day with worship to the Lord. And then there's other environments throughout the day. I might listen to uh, cultural songs or artistic songs. And those inspire me in a completely different way. Uh, But it's much less important than how we can be inspired by songs that exalt Jesus. And that's the truth that this is not being filled with the spirit. Being filled with the spirit, though, is not just this personal thing. It's not just this isolated uh, personal behavior modification issue. Because the second word I want you to write down is this is the word relationships. Relationships being filled with the spirit affects the relationships you're in being filled with the spirit will actually renew relationships with others and cause new things to happen. And I think this is a component we often overlook that how we live our lives in the spiritual realm affects the community we're part of. That's why we need to be part of community. I am more impacted. uh, Well, let me just rephrase that. I am equally impacted. By the conversations I have with my friends as I am with my devotional life. I want to be very careful how I say that. Now, I'm I'm certainly not equating my conversation with my friends with the word of God. But I'm saying that uh, when my friends talk about scripture and when they talk about application and when they talk about how it applies to their lives, on a regular basis, I have these aha moments. We're like. Wow. In normal dialogue, normal conversation, those who are close to me, my friends, will say something and not even realizing they're saying it, God will speak to me. You see, there is a connection, a high connection with being filled with the Spirit and with relationships. That's why as a vehicle we provide for you 242 groups. It's obviously not the only way you can have relationships. It's a vehicle to produce relationships. The Ben's Bible study that took place this morning, they've moved upstairs to Studio C. It's so awesome to see those men and see how their relationships have been enriched because they've come together in a small group to study the Bible. And something powerful has happened in the relationships. And I want you to see now from the scripture what's happening here. Because in verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, isn't that an interesting way that's phrased? We honor Christ by submitting to one another. We honor Christ by being involved with one another. We honor Christ by, by sharing our lives with one another. The Christian walk wasn't meant to be uh, to, to happen in isolation. Never take for granted Christian community. God has called you into Christian community and he put the people uh, that are in your life. And, and that is something you should cherish and nurture and value. You shouldn't take it lightly. 
Christian community is a gift from God. And that's what makes the church. What makes the church is not a building and not a preacher and not a music style. What makes the church is God's people connecting. So a church of five people is every bit as legitimate as a church of 5,000 people. You see, when prisoners of war have been in, in prisons all throughout, let's say, American history, and, and they've been uh, POWs in, in Japan or in Europe or wherever the case is, and when they were able to gather, and they were able to gather in the name of the Lord and, and gather and pray together, that was just as much a church as the most magnificent cathedral you can imagine. Because the church is when the people gather. And something happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden relationships begin to renew in your life. Now, for the sake of time and and, and really simply uh, because of our attention span, we won't read Ephesians 5.21 through Ephesians 6.9. But I want you to notice there in your Bible, write this down. It's 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then all the way to chapter 6, verse 9, it talks specifically how this works. Uh, in that context, slaves and their owners, uh, wives and their husbands, children with their parents. There is a byproduct of as we're filled with the spirit, relationships begin to align. Good things begin to happen. The activity of the Holy Spirit should change our relationships. Now, this is not biblical. This is simple. This part, I'm going to tell you, is simple observation. There, there have been many people uh, that in my walk with the Lord who have claimed this uh, unique and special relationship with the Holy Spirit that's completely different than anybody else. And, and they've taken pride in that. And often those type of people have been some of the meanest people I've ever met. It's just a really weird thing. Because I think now me, what I think is uh, when you begin to have pride in your life and think that you're a better type of Christian than other Christians... And that I'm a unique, I'm a special Christian because of an experience I had. Uh, That is a doorway to pride in your life. And some of those people, not all of those people, some of those type of people are some of the meanest people I've ever met. They are. So I would say to that, that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to be a person filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to manifest in your relationships. Your relationships are just going to be better. Your relationships are going to be Christ-centered. Your relationships are going to be God-honoring. Your relationships are, are going to mean that you have a right relationship with those over authority to you and a right relationship to those under authority with you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you care about your marriage. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you care about how you treat your children and how they treat you. They're not just tools. Those are all the byproduct of, of the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. Some of you might remember this crazy guy we, we have in every once in a while named Kent Henry who just comes up here and just kind of, you know, blows up the church service kind of deal. And that's by nature of his personality. He's a cutting edge for those of you who remember him. Some of you really like him. Some of you make sure it just, you don't, don't connect with him. But I'm going to tell you something about Kent is because I've been with him in malls and restaurants and stores and hung out with him a lot. The way he acts on stage is just the way he is. And and it's this, is that he loves people. Uh, One thing that I admire in him is that he's really good at learning names. Uh, Something that I try to be good at. And it gets harder the more people you meet. And notice that uh, when I used to change churches every three years, I could just forget all the old names and start learning new names. But I've been at this church now four years. It's the longest I've been at one church. And so I'm staying and people are coming and going. So it's becoming a little more problematic. But I work at names, too. Uh, so I asked him a question uh, from a technical standpoint. I said, Kent, 
why do you remember names or how do you remember names? And he said, well, I do that, first of all, uh, because it's Christ-like. Now, the question was more expansive to that, because obviously some of you who maybe just really aren't good at names, I'm not saying you're not Christ-like. So some of you are like, oh, no. Uh, we, 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 the context of this conversation was uh, ministers who, who don't connect with the people come hear them and really don't love the people who come hear them. And he said, he said this, it's real simple. Why are you nice to people? Why are you kind to people? It's called being Christ-like. Being like Jesus. And how is it that we could uh, act like we, 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 we could act like we are experts in the Holy Spirit and not connect that with our relationships? You know, God's very clear about that. He says this, how can you love your brother? Talking about your Christian brother in context whom you have seen and not love God whom you have not seen. And so we can't disconnect our relationship with God with our relationship with people. And this scripture clearly shows us those who are filled with the spirit begin, begin to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, obviously, this is a process. None of us get this perfect. In fact, an encounter we have with the Holy Spirit. I talked about encounters last week and. I love the encounters with the Holy Spirit. I want us to have more of those as a church and as individuals. But if you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit or experience his power, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect from that point on. Doesn't mean you're never going to um, be grumpy or, or be impatient because we're in a process. And that process is, is summarized in this word. I want you to write down a good biblical word, theological word called sanctification. I love words that have four syllables in that. Sanctification. Is that five syllables? That's even better. It's a big word. Fancy word. Again, sometimes vocabulary uh, helps encompass thoughts and processes and, and, and concepts. And in sanctification, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The fullness of the Spirit brings increased sanctification. What is sanctification? That's the question. As we increase in our sanctification, what is that? Sanctification is the process by which a person attains the likeness of the holy. Sanctification is becoming more like God. That's why the scripture says, be holy because I'm holy. So sanctification is the process we're on to become more like Jesus. To become more full of his spirit. To manifest Christ-like qualities. We are in process becoming that kind of person. All of us should be in process that we know that five years from now and five months from now and even as five weeks from now, there's going to be parts of me that are better, that are improving. Because, yes, outwardly, I might be wasting away as all of us do with age, but inwardly I'm being renewed daily. I'm becoming more like Jesus I'm manifesting more of his fruits. The Holy Spirit is, is coming more and more at home in my heart as I connect with him. And a, a great scripture that reminds us of this process is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse, verse 9 and 10. It says, don't lie to one another. That's a good thing. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you put off your old self with its practices. And you put on the new self 
Now, this is this is that sanctification part, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. That means God is perfect. God is holy. God is sinless. And he is the image of who we're becoming like. Not as, as I've mentioned before, not to say that we ever will become a God. That's nonsense. That's what, uh, that's what the cults would say. That's what Mormonism would say. That's what would a lot of different, uh, almost every religion would say we become a God. I'm not saying we're becoming a God. Uh, our God is supreme. Our God is holy. Our God is set apart. He will not share his glory with another. But sanctification means we become like him. We become more holy. We become more pure. We're uh, in a continual process to get rid of sin in our life and get rid of wrong attitudes and affect our behavior and reflect his glory. So that as we walk with the Holy Spirit and walk with Jesus, people see less of Aaron and less of Amanda and they see more of Jesus and they see more of who he is. That's what being filled with the Spirit does. Being filled with the Spirit causes us to Stay in that process of sanctification. So we're becoming more like Jesus over and over and over again. So let me, let's think about something here. Um, I know we're a big believer in our youth camp here at this church. In fact, you're going to have an opportunity to give to our youth camp next summer because uh, a a majority of our youth group, their parents don't attend church here and uh, they need funds to go to youth camp. So we're going to take a special offering. I think it's next week to help kids go to youth camp. Because youth camp changes kids' lives. It does. Youth camp changes kids' lives. There's other things, too, uh, that, that they have for adults that you might have been part of. Uh, Trace Diaz or the Road to Emmaus, the Walk to Emmaus. Those are special retreats for adults that some of you I know have participated in. Um, there, there's other types of retreats that you might have been to. A men's retreat or women's retreat. And you come back and you just feel spiritually invigorated. Well, let's unpack this for a second. Is there something magical about that weekend? Well, of course not, because God's not into magic. He's into power. But is there something, um, is, is there something unique about the geographical location? No. About the speaker? Probably not, because they're just preachers. Uh, wh- what happens is this. Is that for two or three days, for four days for our teenagers, they turn off the media... <laughs> And they're not being bombarded by the, the junk that comes from the world. They increase the amount of sermons they listen to because they listen to sermons in a short amount of time. They actually have time designed for devotion and meditation. And then in addition to that, they're around like-minded people who are wanting to be more like Christ. So what happens? A sanctification happens. Because they've changed their environment. They've changed their focus. You go to a Trace Diaz for three days. You change your environment. You shut off the world and you get into Jesus. Okay, there's nothing magical about Trace Diaz. There's nothing magical about youth camp. What happens is this, is when we separate ourselves from the things of the world. We get around people who love Jesus. We get into the word. We have our devotionals. We're in church. We're listening to the word. We're changing what's coming into our minds, into our spirits. Now, all of a sudden we encounter God in a new way. We are filled with his spirit. You see, being filled with the spirit is not mysterious. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice. It's choosing Jesus over our own selfishness. 
It's choosing holiness over sin. It's showing up at the places we're supposed to be, going to church, having our devotionals, being at the place we're supposed to be so that we can be in position to receive from him. That's what sanctification is. So when we were at this last men's retreat, there were 25 of us. First time we ever did a men's retreat. It was great. And, and we were praying about this. And we just had this really unstructured time to seek the Lord. And I, and I encouraged the men. I said, okay, if God puts a prayer on your heart, just, just say it out loud. Something on your heart. And I prayed something. And as it came out of my mouth, I thought, wow, that was good, Lord. That wasn't from me. That was from you. It really was. It was so good. You knew it wasn't from, I knew it wasn't from myself. I said, God, forgive us for wanting your power, but not wanting your holiness. Think about that. Forgive us for wanting your power, but not wanting your holiness. Because some of us, we want that. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the experience of the Holy Spirit. We want the, spectac- the spectac- spectacular aspects of the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to be disciplined. And we don't want to pursue holiness. And we don't want to pursue sanctification. Forgive us, God, for wanting your power, but not your holiness. So I say that, that being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit means we're in the process of sanctification. And so now, as I have that as a basis, let me give you the last word because it's something we need and it's something available. That's the power. Power. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have increased power for ministry. That's it. We have increased power for ministry. All of a sudden, the things that we used to do that brought normal response begin to bring supernatural response. Listen, I have had some training and speaking and all that um, through communication classes in college, through some preaching classes I took, through some seminary classes I took on, on preaching. I believe it's still one of the most power, probably the most powerful sermon. I, I don't really want to rank sermons, but among the most powerful sermons I had was when I was 14 years old, way before any formal training, way before any formal training. Why? power of the Holy Spirit was on me. And uh, I'd get, get, gone up and given speeches before, but man, something, something happened. Something came on me. The power of the Holy Spirit was there. The power of the Holy Spirit can take whatever gift you have and it increases it. It increases it. Now, the context I have is preaching, but this is not a preaching thing at all. Because every single one of you, every single one of you encourages someone you do. And, and God uses your encouragement. He does. He uses very uh, conciliatory words, very um, hospitable words. Those are all our, our choice of language. Those are all important. Those are important things. But there's going to come a time that you're going to speak. And it's going to be with your accent. Because one thing, we don't have to change our accents when we're speaking from the Lord. And it's going to be with your knowledge of language. Uh, You don't have to go into the King James and say, thus saith the Lord thy God right now. I want to encourage thyself. You're going to encourage a friend and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take your personality and your words 
and he's going to make them life to that person. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit does. It takes a natural flawed person like you and like me that we're limited, ordinary, regular, one of billions who have lived on this earth. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you begin to operate in new effectiveness. This is not something for people on stage. It's not something for people on TV. It's not something for people with microphones. It's for mommies. Moms who are filled with the Spirit. Who you begin to have a spirit of discernment. And there is something the Holy Spirit within you says, my child doesn't need to be around that child. Is that not an important important thing to have? You're filled with the Spirit. And you haven't been able to break through. And all of a sudden God begins to give you special insight for your child. This is what I'm talking about. Being filled. The power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit that comes upon you. That's why we read this scripture last week. uh, But we need to read it again for reinforcement. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. That's what we're doing. Now witnesses... What does that mean? You're going to tell people this is who God is and this is what God is doing. Don't let that word scare you. A witness just tells a story. Some of you moms, listen, you are a witness to your children. You're saying this is the way we live. This is the way we operate. This is who God is. You are a witness and God has empowered you to be that witness. You're a witness to your coworkers. You're showing the way to God. That's what I am as your pastor. All I'm doing is coming and saying, this is a group of people and I want to be a witness. This is who God is. This is what the scripture says on the screen or in our Bibles. We're witnesses. And that's what the Holy Spirit power does. That's why uh, in the next couple of weeks or or Sunday and, and, and going into some Wednesdays, I want to talk to you about the power gifts of the Holy Spirit that are are found specifically in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. These gifts that are available to us to let the Spirit, when we're full of the Spirit, they begin to become part of who we are. And that is from God and a choice that God has given us. Effectiveness and witness. So the question is this. Well, how do we know when we full? How do we know that we're full of the Spirit? How do we know? What's the evidence? You know, I suppose we could do this. We could get in this theological discussion and I could get my concordances out, my Greek lexicon and say, well, this is how, you know, you're filled with the spirit. And let me give you 10 scriptures here and there. And, and, you know, the, the, I guess there's value in that. But my friend Don Gerald told me a story about this. He said, how did I know I was full of the Holy Spirit? He said there was a lady who was struggling with demonic oppression. And I went and prayed with her. And nothing happened. (laughs) She was still oppressed by demonic spirits. And then this grandma, unassuming grandma, came up and prayed with her. That lady was delivered just like that. And he he said, I want the power you have. How do you know you're filled with the Spirit? Well, what's the evidence of the Spirit? It is the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit on you, in you. The power working within you. 
And you know that when you know when you're working in the natural or when you're working in the supernatural, you know it. You know when it's you and when it's God. You know when God is empowering you in a special way. And that's all that, that, that's all that matters is you have a relationship with the Spirit. And you know who the Spirit is. And you know when He's working in you. That's, that's the only explanation I can give you. Walking with the Holy Spirit, I just know sometimes when the Holy Spirit, because it's, it's, it's going good, it's much better. I'm not trying to reproduce something. It's the Spirit that's just flowing and ministering and, and doing something powerful within me. You see, all these messages that each week have come up, and I want to remind you of something. What I'm talking to you about is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the relationship with the Holy Spirit, knowing Him personally, knowing who He is, knowing, knowing how He wants to work in your life. I was going through a season in life, this was in college, when I wasn't walking closely with the Lord as I should. I was a youth pastor, I was a children's pastor, and a youth pastor. <laughs> Because our youth pastor left our church and, and I just wasn't walking with the Lord as I should. And, and that was manifesting in my attitude, in my language. Felt kind of bad about it because I knew, I, I felt the burden. I felt the burden of this ministry responsibilities upon my shoulder, but I didn't feel the capacity because I wasn't walking with the Holy Spirit as I should. And uh, my college roommate, I had gone to high school with him. And uh, so I'd, I'd known him for four or five years, and we, we had gone and both gotten scholarships to play football at this little college. And all through high school, this guy, I mean, he was not even close to the Lord. I mean, just just really involved in some really, some violence, some things he shouldn't have been. But he started going to a church. We were in a different state. He started going to a church that really started changing his life. So I had a Wednesday night off, and he said, why don't you come to church with me tonight? I said, I don't want to go to church tonight. I get the night off. He said, no, you need to come to church with me. I was like, I don't want to go to church with you. It was so ironic because all through high school, I tried to get him to go to church with me. And now he's, he's inviting me. And one of the reasons I didn't want to go to his church is because I didn't like his pastor. His pastor was this guy who was on TV, and... I had known some things about him and nothing really bad, but just some sloppiness in his life and some sloppy attitudes that he had that I knew of. And I really didn't like this guy. But my friend, he, he, he said, man, come on, come, come with me. So I went with him and I came with a horrible attitude. And I sat through worship. I didn't lift my hands. I was taking the Wednesday off. I'm a little preacher boy, and I deserve the night off, and I deserve my bad attitude. And uh, I wasn't full of, filled with the Spirit at all. Didn't want to be there, didn't like the church, didn't like the preacher. Then we went to ministry time, and people began to worship the Lord. And, and this man, as a vessel, began to speak, and he, be, and he began to say some things that went straight to my heart. He said, some of you are in a fog tonight. And without getting all the details of what I was going through, the words that the Spirit gave him affected me deeply. And he said, if God's speaking to you right now, I want you to come up on the stage. Well, I wasn't the only one who came up on the stage. Uh, but I didn't want to go. But before I knew it, I found myself up on the stage. I'm like, what am I doing up here? 
What am I doing up here? And, and one of the things that this is just for me, it's just one of those things that I don't prefer. I don't really, I don't like it when preachers push people down. I, I just don't like that. I, um, without me getting sidetracked, that's why I don't really have catchers because I figure if God pushes you down, you're, you're going to be okay when you fall. Um, <laughs> I also found that when you don't have catchers, there's much less people who fall backwards. That's an interesting phenomenon, too. So, uh, so I'm in this stage, and I'm on this line, and, and I'm looking out the corner of my eye. This guy is pushing people down. I just know it. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing he's pushing them down, and they're falling and all this. So I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, God, if he pushes me down, I'm leaving the ministry. As I said, I said, if this guy pushes me over, I'm leaving the ministry and, uh, and you know, and I'm sitting there with my horrible attitude. And, and he came to me and he did something he didn't do to any other person. He didn't push me down, put his hand right here. And he said, just like the scripture says in the book of John, it said like rivers of living water. Lord, let the Holy Spirit flow out of this young man. And for those of you who were, who, who were here last week, I told a story about my first experience with the Holy Spirit, how it wept, how I didn't like that, well, that's what happened again. I began to weep before the Lord. And it changed the course of my ministry. It changed the course of my ministry. I began to operate in new power in my life and new fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what He, the Holy Spirit, knows you better than anybody else. And he knows what you need. I want to promise you this. The Holy Spirit is going to give you just what you need to empower you for service to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is is wanting to exalt Jesus. He doesn't want to exalt a church, a pastor, a program. He wants to exalt Jesus. And He wants to make Jesus bigger to you. So He's not going to force you to do anything. He's not going to push you down or do anything that... That's not going to be good for you. It's going to go good for you. Let's stand together. Thank you, Father. You're preparing us. Holy Spirit, just come. You're already here. We know that. Make us aware of you. Make us aware of you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that out of this church is flowing rivers of living water that can't be dammed up, can't be quenched. Father, a river is so powerful we can't control a river. We, you know, you're the one that puts the banks there. You're the one that gives a direction. So we Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.